we entered this business with things the way that they are. You know, you, you can't enter an industry and then complain about the things that the were... The restrictions, yeah. The, the restrictions that were in place when you were there. Because you, you should know. have known that going in. Yeah, um, or, or you can't say that it's hurting my business because... It should have been part of your business plan. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our premium partner as well. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. I hope uh, our, our good friends at Cryomalt, if they're still outstanding in their field, that they're self-isolating. You know, New Zealand well, when is under lockdown. When you think about it, that's probably one of the easiest places to um, to keep your distance, isn't it? Exactly, yes. So <laughs> g'day to uh, all of our friends who are outstanding in their fields uh, at the moment. Well, particularly those, because I guess it's just occurred to me, Matt, that um, the the harvest, the barley harvest has been done, um, back finished, well, it, certainly in the, the Northern Mallee area, which I think was one of the last areas for Victoria. I think uh, Tassie may still have some to come, um, or finished a bit later. But all that has now been, I guess, graded and determined whether it's malting quality or not and will be in the malting process. I'm assuming that that – look, I would think it's there's a lot of automation going, so you wouldn't need lots of people in close proximity. But um, hopefully that's it, probably something worth following up, whether or not that's um, it, it's affected at all. Yeah, well, we, we've spoken to OJ uh, at HPA and they have just announced that they've finished the harvest. So the, the, the harvest got in – um, and, and, and done. So, yeah, maybe that's a, a good thing to follow up because we haven't really heard much about the barley. Um, there's been a lot of takeovers in the barley world and sales with Grain Corp and things like that, but I uh, haven't heard too much about the, the, the harvest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to um, – look, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be keen to catch up on that particular news. But it's just occurred to me, Matt, that you know we have a lot more spare time on our hands now, and yet – and this this is maybe just a little thing for me, but um, it's the only COVID nineteen bit that I'm going to do. We're we're abbreviating lots of stuff. I've seen the the word of the week is ISO. I've seen it oh. in, in a couple of yeah, um, and a couple of beer related things as well, where where somebody's doing like an ISO session or somebody's doing ISO packs or something. Like that. Are we really have we got that little time on our hands that we can't say <laughs> isolation? I guess it, it it's whenever we say something often, it's not how long, how much time we've got, it's how often we say it. Maybe it's just a quintessentially Australian thing because we can't put a, a an E on the end like we do with brekkie or footy. ISO. <laughs> ISO-E, yeah. <laughs> How's your ISO going, mate? How's your ISO? <laughs> anyway, that's just, just a little thing. And as I say, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll stick with the news for now because um, there is still stuff happening. Obviously, a lot of it is still COVID-19 related. Um, and I guess the first one, Matt... Um, well, actually, which... just even on that, Pete, it, it's just, just from a news point of view, because this, this is our news of, of the week podcast. So one of the things as a journalist, it, it's, it's always funny to watch because... News is 24-hour cycle these days, you know, when you're watching the TV news. So even something, you know, we're three weeks into coronavirus, but people want some knowledge about it. They, they want to know, but then news also has this incredible, you know, space to fill. And I just watch the way that 
something, you know, it's not simple, but, you know, coronavirus becomes a thing. So you've got the news and then there becomes the analysis and then there becomes the projection. And, you know, it's just that constant evolution of news. We're not just getting the facts about it. We're not just being told, but, you know, like the the, the prime minister or the prime minister of New Zealand or the, the premier of a state will come out and say something and you'll see the report on that. And then you'll start to see the commentary, and then the, and you, you almost forget what they've said. Um, and I, I find that that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. Is and and then you know as it comes along, then you start getting the um, political positioning. You know, you, you've got the Andrew Bolts on the one side, and then you've got the sort of uh, um, your left uh, politicians. You know, um, I guess people like the Project have their. Um, spin and the, the the original message just gets lost and it, it it's just yeah an interesting way to watch the way the news is covering something that is now in what week four or five of it, it, its critical phase and you, you kind of wish that they would just run out of puff and just report on <laughs> things well i'm sure that's something that'll um news uh sources will need to adapt to um, once we get to uh, hashtag the other side. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of adapting, our first story, Matt, adapt or die, evolution will help breweries survive. It's <laughs> not the speaking, strongest. Speaking of, um, sorry, speaking of uh, COVID-19 uh, coverage. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's not a lot of news that isn't. Uh, it's not the strongest who survives, but the one that is best able to adapt itself to the environment in which it finds itself, according to evolutionists. And this has never been more true in the face of the unprecedented crisis of COVID-19. Um, now, some small businesses we know are going to be hurt and there will certainly be some casualties, uh, particularly in the hospitality space. But it may be surprising to hear that big box pubs uh, are also at a high risk of, of closure. This surprised me a little bit, Matt. This is what I'm really struggling in one of going back to, to what I was saying is that there, there's so much projection. I guess it makes good fodder for a podcast like ours when we are talking with guys like Pete Brown or John Hole about what do they think because they have some expertise. But um, it will be interesting to see the venues that rely very heavily on pokey revenue, on the sort of party pubs that don't have a community around them, but do have, you know, make all of their money on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday party nights, um, and also from pokies. Because we've seen, one of the things that we've seen really strongly come out of the last three or four weeks are the small you know the, the the two birds and the um wolf of the willows and the newsteads who have a community around them who are leaping um you know to to buy their pizza and four pack and, and and supporting them so they do still have some money coming in some of those party pubs the the big venues that don't have that sense of community because they're just a place that people get together um and party without actually the the venue being part of their lives um it'll be interesting to see how they do go um and whether they do need some cash injections behind them well particularly i guess since it's just occurred to me that i would assume that if you have you know fifty dollars a week as part of your budget that you're going to spend on pokies you could still be doing that in isolation uh just by online 
gambling. So there may be that that revenue may dry oh, up afterwards. That, yeah. Because you sort of think, well, you know, well, I've still got my 50. Uh, and in fact, I've got more money to spend now because uh, I'm getting the JobKeeper or I'm I'm still working. I'm working from home. I'm not spending petrol. I'm not buying $5 coffees and that sort of thing. So um, I can still dabble in my, uh, you know, in my lotto or that sort of thing. And if you're a pokies pundit, um, then I, I guess maybe you, you've found an alternative. And you're right. It really is that it, it's it's in, it shows in stark contrast the difference between a building and a venue, or a you know a mm. uh, a building and a, a venue and a destination. And and you you, you two birds, um, and Newstead as you mentioned, we were there. It seems like yesterday, but I suppose it was a few months ago. But just the looking around at, at places like that, and you see the the diversity of um, of demographic. You see the families, you see the kids, you see the older people, younger people, all that sort of thing. They're not the ones who are going. Oh, let's all go out and play the pokies. So, um, and obviously, the part of this report that we're reporting on, um, there's a, I guess the the amount of debt that they've got in those places, and with the drop in property values, that they may, I guess, find it a little bit harder to to weather the the storm that's going to come. Yeah, and it was something we sort of touched on with Pete Brown um, when we were talking about um, you know, supermarkets. So. Whilst we're seeing this hashtag, you know, keeping local alive, it doesn't seem to apply to your local supermarket kind of thing because, you know, all of the photos of the empty shelves, as I've said a couple of times, um, you know, there's no toilet paper at my big supermarket. It's not at my little IGA. Um, so we, we seem to have this two different streams of thought. Um, things that are much more personal relationships, you know, much more personal suppliers, you know, like um, a, a small little brewery or your butcher or some of those, we are very mindful, or, or, or your restaurant, um, we are thinking much more about what is our local one, but, you know, and, and bottle shops, people seem to have a different view of their bottle shop where you just go in, grab something to take home, than you do of the venue that you go in and socialising. Yeah, one's, one's just a supplier, but the other is a, a destination. And these are the, um, I guess, the cultural and social um, wins that exist. We, we won't really know until everything reopens and we find, um, because there's, there's a lot going on in, in community and it'll come down to money in our pocket and those sorts of well, things. Well, so it's just confidence. You know, are we and and we a few of the people that we've spoken to on the antidote have sort of touched on the fact that yeah, it's not just as if we can just okay, the government says you can turn the tap back on, good, let's start making beer and let's go back to normal. I think a lot of people will still say I'm just going to wait a bit. Some will, some are going to say I can't wait to get out there. I, I need to go out and meet people. I need to be with my people. I need to you know be human again. Others are going to say I'm just going to wait a little while to to make sure that the the curve is completely flattened. Um, and Pete Brown yesterday in the antidote touched on. Uh, we asked him about you know that that very rich tradition that that has been under threat um, recently for for other reasons um, of of the English pub. You know the corner pub. Are people going to be racing to go back out, or are they going to say? Actually, this thing where I could get beer delivered to my home, and you know, I'm I'm watching the the game on the big screen and that sort of thing, and enjoying my own company. Yeah, I might stick with that. It'll be interesting to see. Who knows? I mean, I I, I think the the point that Pete made that you whilst you can catch up online, it's it, it's not a fulfilling substitute for 
actually sitting down and having that physical contact. And the noise of the clinking glasses and the chatter and the, the dartboard and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't I, know too I, many I get pubs that. in Brisbane that yeah, <laughs> have well, the dartboard. But... Maybe, that'll, you know, maybe that's something that will come out, uh, come out of, of all of this. Um, Matt, Matt, the interesting one, and this is probably something worth spending a bit of time on, the Brewers Association released their annual growth report for 2019. Um, so now I'm guessing that the, yeah. Yeah, the figures that we're going to be giving to our listeners today are a snapshot of things before yeah, BC, before coronavirus. Um, but anyway, the Brewers Association um, released annual growth figures of the for the U.S craft brewing industry. In 2019, small and independent brewers collectively produced 26.3 million barrels of beer at about just under 4% total growth, increasing craft's overall beer market share to by volume to 13.6% of the beer market. The retail dollar value of that was estimated at $29.3 billion, which is a 25 almost a, yeah, just over a quarter market share um, with 6% growth over 2018. We were certainly expecting whenever we've looked at the figures, the US figures to tick over 8,000, which is, I mean, that, that's a lot of breweries. Um, mm. 8,600, isn't it? Uh, or 8,200. 8,275 oh, okay. craft breweries operating in 2019, including 2,058 microbreweries, 3,011 brew pubs, 2,966 taproom breweries, and 240 regional craft breweries. So, and that all comes down to the size and the method of operation. Um, there were 942 new breweries and 294 closings. So, from memory, that closing number is up a little bit, but we're still seeing a couple of breweries a week opening uh, across the US. Yeah, it really says something about the the vitality of the market, but. Um, as we've often said before, with each one that comes in, you 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 are not just the the eight hundred and eight thousand two hundred first. You know, there's all those others that you that you are then competing with um, for market share. And and as we've discussed too, Matt, I guess the next one will be the telling one because some people, obviously, as, as we've discussed, might even have a little bit more disposable income. But I think for a lot of people, are they going to say, you know what? I need even beer, but just at the moment, I can't afford to pay the premium. And you look at, as I say, 20, what did we say? So 13% of the market in the US is, is you know, hashtag craft, but that represents 25% of the, the value. So that I just wonder how much that, that's going to shift. That's one of the figures that brewers associations love to trumpet, that we are, you know, I think in Australia last year, the IBA said that we're 5.9% of volume and 10% share of value. And in the US, it's uh, 136 and 25% of value. And that's one of the pointers that brewers associations often hold out to say, hey, put craft beer on because you will get a better return on it. And that's a, you know, a, a, a good argument to prize tap um, away from um, contracts as well, where you you know you, you're you're getting the money because you get the rebate. Craft brewers are saying, well, you're getting the money because consumers are willing to pay more for it. I guess that, at the same time, rings a bit of a, a, an alarm bell for me because that is essentially saying our product is so much more expensive. You know. Are you saying that consumers are willing to pay that much more or are you saying that it costs us, you know, that much more or is there a, a mix? You know, we're 
25% of, of, of that is our higher production price and 25% is the consumer's willingness to pay more. When something like this happens in an economic downturn, when your product is highly fashionable, for example, those value differentials can evaporate quite quickly as consumers have to start making decisions about where they put their money um, you know, where they put their money. If, if they can save money on a similar product that, that is quality, um, you know, as, as good a quality as the craft product, but is cheaper, that can evaporate. So, so whilst it's, it's awesome on one hand, it, it's also a real alarm bell for me um, on, on another. Does that make sense, Pete? I, I don't yeah. know that I explained that uh, terribly well. No, I could, I could see. I could. I could sniff the air and I could work out where you were going with that. <laughs> hey, listen, and while you were talking, this is something that just occurred to me. I'd love to get your opinion, Matt, on what you think, but also our listeners, um, just something to, to ponder that's occurred to me. The the wet tax came in as a, a result of, um, as a response to an economic situation where we wanted to get Australian wine out into a into a broader market to showcase how good Australian wine was, and so it was it was given a a free handball. It was given a free kick by um, you know government um, economic you know pulling economic levers. Is there a possibility? Do you think that? And, and it occurred to me that. Um, you know, a lot of states have have relaxed things like pickup and delivery restrictions, uh, excise, those sorts of things. With as a response to this economic turmoil, government has has pulled the levers again, and we're still stuck with the wet tax. Even though we ended up, as a result of the success of the wet tax, we ended up with a glut of of wine. So wine became very cheap because there was so much of it all of a sudden available. Yeah. Um, do you think the similar sort of thing will happen where we'll pull some levers now and then that'll just kind of be forgotten about? Really good point. If it, that's Some people in the craft industry have always talked about we need to be very careful what we wish for in, term, in terms of excise because at the moment the people who are entering are passionate about the industry. Um, there are some who are starting to come in because they see a good business opportunity. But if you start making it look like there are tax benefits. Tax can be a very, very powerful lever to pull in the economy, uh, as the wine industry saw. Um, but but, did, but that, uh, did that allow a heap of people to come in and all of a sudden plant vineyards or become mm. winemakers and wine, or wine labellers, People wine who marketers. were in for it for the wrong reason. Yeah, people who were in for it who weren't adding to the industry, who weren't adding to the industry viability they were just sort of looking at you know a short-term dollar or they thought it would be easy because you're going to get this um tax and there is a little bit about those figures that when you place too much on the value um premium that craft beer gets people think that it's a lucrative industry to get into and that would be a concern but i look to be honest pete when you look at the discussion that's coming out from the amount of money that the government's spending to keep businesses alive and what that's going to mean for the long-term future of the economy in terms of cutting services and cutting, uh, you know, people already talking about tax rises or increase, increasing the, the, the GST. I, I think that's one of the things that we're going to find is that um, discussions about significant changes to ex- excise. The, the, the Brewers Association, which is the 
as opposed to the Independent Brewers Association in Australia, the Bre- the Australian Brewers Association has been advocating, f- you know, about the excise tax and the tax freeze. Um, you know, because I think it, twice a year the excise just automatically goes up. So yeah, by CPI. Um, by CPI, um, and there's been a push um, before COVID nineteen for that to to freeze that because of the cost of beer. Um, and I, I think those sorts of things, there's just not going to be a political climate for those sorts of arguments because the government's going to need every dollar that it can get. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I see your point. As I, I just wonder whether, you know, unusual times call for unusual measures and there's an opportunity um, at the other end of this to, for, for, for businesses. Look, everyone's going to be putting their hand out for some sort of relief or, and as I, all that occurred to me was that, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do something with the intention of it being lowered or reduced or removed for, you know, a period of uh, six to 12 months or whatever. And then it just kind of gets forgotten about like the wet tax did. And, and you know, we end up with something. Uh, I know Richard Watkins and um, we've spoken to Brendan Varis in the past. They're both very much of that of that opinion that, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yep. Um, that lowering uh, barriers to entry into the, the independent beer industry um it, it does have its risks that that you will get cowboys for want of a better word or just people coming in just wanting to to make a quick buck um but yeah it'll yeah, be interesting to see. yeah and, and and i think again you know, the, the arguments business, on both sides the, the, look the, the, there are and if you had a business and, and it it tends to come down to where your business is is, is placed but you know even um i think it was jamie cook or uh one of the Stone and Wood founders who said, we entered this business with things the way that they are. You know, you can't complain, you know, you can't enter an industry and then complain about the things that were... The restrictions, yeah. The, the restrictions that were in place when you were there. Because you, you should know. have known that going in. Yeah, um, or, or you can't say that's hurting my business because... It should have been part of your business plan. Yeah, they're not new things. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to, to see. But, yeah, I look, I think the government's spending so much now on keeping businesses alive just to get through this that I don't think there's going to be the same appetite to, um, you know, do favours um, afterwards when, when the government is going to need to fix some fairly big budget holes. Yeah, we can only hope that we don't try to make it all, you know, make back all the losses, you know, with, a, with like you say, with extra GST or whatever, um, you know, in the first few weeks of... The oh, I, yeah, open I, again. I, I don't think no, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. But I think um, there there will be, you know, once we get through it, um, the government is going to have to be looking at, you know, geez, yeah, you know, there's, I mean, what's the latest number? Three hundred billion dollars. Um, and I, I think I mentioned on the podcast a week or two ago that, you know, I, I was amazed to read the figure that the U, the UK, which borrowed heavily from. America um, to to fight the Second World War made its last payment of its war debt in something like two thousand and six. So you know, sixty years after the war, and yeah, you know, we're not in in that level of uh, of debt, but we're certainly going to be paying um, you know everything off now um, that, that we're spending now um, for for some time, and that comes from things like taxes and you know GST and pokey money and beer excise. Yeah, well, as long as they take it out of what we're already spending, rather than adding a bit more on top, I, I wouldn't mind seeing you know a little bit more of our uh, our hard earned going to 
I guess, supporting, particularly I think what's coming out of this, Matt, is supporting your local businesses. And we've, we've seen the success of keeping local alive. And whilst that's been, um, I guess, focused on small independent or independent breweries, um, I think there's going to be, I don't know whether the, the corner store or the milk bar um, is necessarily going to find a revival, but I do wonder whether, taking it a step further, do we say yeah, let's let's look at manufacturing? Maybe let's start to to crank those wheels back up again and have a look at maybe some of the stuff that we can make here just to protect ourselves from um, uh, something like this happening again. Um, We've, we've spoken on the antidote. We've spoken to people about you know things like um, plastic bottles for hand sanitizer and, and things like that that we, we're still heavily reliant on, on on trading partners to to come up with labels. That sort of, oh, speaking of labels, um, we'd like to let all <laughs> breweries know. See what I did there? Rellings labels, stickers and packaging still open for business, and they can supply bottles um, labels for bottles and cans, shrink wrap cans ready to fill, and as you mentioned, Matt, they also. Um, do pharmaceuticals and I don't know whether hand sanitizer and that sort of thing, but basically if you can whack a label on it, Rellings labels, stickers and packaging are the ones who will be able to look after you. Just remember the turnaround times may have slowed a little bit from their normal five to seven working days, but they are very good at getting people out of trouble where possible. So give them a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss your options with the team. Let's work through this together and wash your damn hands. <laughs> and actually, that's an interesting um, point because we have talked about it in terms of the sanitizer We've now seen a lot of businesses start making sanitizer because we had that production capacity in the domestic economy. But those businesses are now struggling to find the things like the plastic bottles to, to put the sanitizer in. And when you've got really, really long distribution... Lead times. Yeah, or, or, yeah um, logistics pathways to, to, to get these things. Um, yeah, we make bottles in, the, in, in, in this country. Yeah, Brisbane's got, I think... Uh, there are four or five bottling plants at least in Australia, so we're not going to run out of bottles. But plastic containers, which you would have thought would you know injection, you know blown injection plastic, wouldn't be too hard to make. But because it's a cost thing, um, you know, yeah. I, I think we will see a lot more emphasis on that. And uh, and, and look, that's where the, the um, Independent Brewers Association and uh, the campaign, the Crafty Pint started and the IBA has enthusiastically jumped onto is the Keeping Local Alive campaign because this has been a huge opportunity. It's been a huge challenge, um, but it's also a huge opportunity for small local breweries to not just survive, but to highlight how deeply entrenched they are in their community and all of those things. And so I, I think we are going to see an, an emotional attachment and a big... Um, awareness post-COVID-19 for what local means. In addition to that, Matt, it, it occurred to me too that we've seen, um, you know, whatever, some a manufacturer um, who has adjusted, okay, I can't sell, nobody wants to buy whatever it is I'm doing, but I can retool my machines or, you know, flick a switch and I can make um, surgical gowns or I can make face masks or I can make, you know, all bits and pieces. We've seen, um, you know, kids jumping on their um uh, 3D printers and producing uh, little holders for um, for medical staff because it didn't. It, did you have you seen that where you know you, you think of a face mask and you've got two elastic things pulling it to keep it on your face and that sits behind your ears for so long. And um, there's a little like a plastic. It's kind of like a I guess like a uh, a fish's spine kind of thing with little you know. So you hook the the elastic through that. 
and it takes the pressure off your ears. So it basically wraps wraps it around. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's some kid saw, oh, this is what they need, and he saw a picture of it. So he designed this, this thing and used his 3D printer, and he's, you know, sending that off those things to off, off to hospitals. So there's, there's you know, there's entrepreneurial spirit out there. There's people who have said, okay, I can't do what I normally do. What can I do? And I just wonder whether, yeah, rather than firing up new industries that we've let fall by the wayside over the last few decades, whether or not, um, you know, do breweries start making hand sanitizer as well as beer or um you know the packaging places um you know come up with something something new and different but, but, but that's where the compete competing gravities you know i know this is an analogy i've used in the past but on, on one hand when things are going really really well you think about well what's the cost how much shall, how much do i want to spend on hand sanitizer and if there's too much pressure on i want cheaper then it goes to China where um, it, it can be made very, very cheaply. At the moment, you know, like I, I, I saw the, the little store down the road when I last went down to do my groceries, the, the little store had a sign saying, we've got hand sanitizer. And I thought instinctively, said, oh yeah, look, I'll, I'll grab a little thing. And I said, oh, how much is it? And it was like a little pipette. It was probably a hundred mils, maybe 150 mils. Um, and it was 12 bucks. And I just went, no, no, I'll just wash my hands, thanks. You know, and and you sort of think, well, at the moment, people are obviously, and, you know, he's making a good, um, he'd be making a good profit on that, and people are obviously paying for it because at the moment they want hand sanitizer, and that is the other competing element. And I guess it just what the legacy of this situation will be for, you know, people to pay that extra one cent you know, per unit for the plastic bottles before the accountants start going, well, actually, if we uh, get these from China, um, you know, and, and, and they're the, yeah, the, they're the constant tensions that exist in, in, in the economy. And we as consumers make a decision as to, uh, you know, what matters to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, any other news to share before we? Not really. And again, yeah, I don't want to. Because I'm just conscious that people aren't don't don't have the same um, you know length of commute. Um, they don't have the same. <laughs> no. Hopefully, they're we, out we, exercising. We, we, that's we, right. We, we but don't, you don't want to be give out them too an long. Incentive to uh, to to not exercise. But no, there's not really. Um, again, it, it, it's been it, it's been so frenetic and so frantic on one hand, but also uh, there just hasn't been a lot. To, uh, to to report about otherwise. That's it. But red thoughts into green thoughts. People with out there, Matt, who are um, find themselves a little bit more spare time on their hands and looking for cheap, nay, free activities, um, could subscribe to this show and leave us a review on your favourite podcasting app, um, Apple, if you've got it. Um, because it costs nothing and it helps other beer lovers to discover the podcast. And then you can also hear about great offers from our partners like Beer Cartel, who uh, provide our six pack of the week for our letter of the week. There's been lots of comments and bits and pieces. Dermot Dowling, I don't know, did Dermot give us, uh, he sent us an email, not a not a review, wasn't it? But he, um, excellent thumbs up podcast, Matt and Pete, and Prof's outtake was comedy gold. Can I just get that? <laughs> get that on, on record, a, sure, Pete. Okay. Well, I just want it uh, on a T-shirt. Uh, keep up the great work, team. Uh, the Brisbane Distilling Co. session was both informative and helpful to an industry crying out for some good news. Cheers and have a great week. That, yeah, that was, that was great. John Atherton, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From Brisbane Distillery, talking about how yeah he'd been able to, I guess, switch things around in terms of that, like I say, the hand sanitizer thing. But just the way that 
you could see the the mental process that he went through to, um, you know, con- you know, contactless, cardless, um, click and collect. I had a lot of comments about that, including Shane Jaspritzer, who commented on the weekend how impressed he was and, you know, just how he sort of thought, right, what do I need to do? I need to get bottles. I need to get ethanol. I need to get the, the, the stuff to denature it. I need to do this. I need to do this. And he had a background in, in, in the army, and I think it was even special forces. And I, I was actually wondering whether that wasn't the sort of, you know, tactical planning you have to engage in when you've got that sort of... Uh... Well, yeah, and that's to my point before. I think something like that, and, and every person I've spoken to who has a military background, it, it's not... It, it's, just, it's just something that becomes part of your thought process. I was 13 years with the State Emergency Service. So for me, um, identifying and mitigating risk, um, you know, looking at dangers, That's it, it, you do that just as an automatic thing. You, you, you automatically take into account your surroundings and that sort of thing before you, you know, put a ladder up or before you, you know, do work around the house, you know, with power tools and that sort of thing. Um, it's all those little things that you, you do subconsciously. And I just wonder whether this particular crisis has awoken in some people out there um, a new way of thinking and perhaps drawing on skills that they're perhaps not consciously aware that they have, but that they're able to, you know, put into into something new. Like I say, you know, the kid who saw, oh, you know, the face mask hurt doctors and nurses' ears, so I'm going to come, you know, oh, there's a thing, I can make that. I, I just, you know, it would be interesting to see over the, the coming months uh, how people, dare I say, pivot, um, but to adjust to the changing environment. Yeah, exactly. And and, and how they de-pivot, I, I guess, is is the other thing, how they go back to, to normal and what that new normal will be. The other one, Matt, from The Antidote, and I know, not that we're going to plug it, but it's just it, it has become it, it's, well, it's such a regular part of our lives, but you, you, I'm getting really inspired. Um, there was Dan Emery, I think, from, um, from Welder's Dog, Yep. Uh, that we got some comments on as well with their bunker boxes. Now, I just wonder whether at the other end that becomes part of their business because it's it's now become really useful. Uh, it's very handy and it, it, it's created value. It's taken, you know, it, it's filled a spot that we that we will get back. Like, you know, okay, we can't go out to our shops as easily, but if I can have this delivered to me, then it's great. But I just wonder, yeah, whether when it all goes back to as well as dog, keep doing bunker boxes. When people can go out and shop, will they? Will there be that same need? And I know Newstead setting up a provador. Um, I, I've been getting a, a farmer who lives up at um, Alora. Um, which I think is up near Warwick. Oh, and it's just your eggs? No, not eggs. Yeah, etc. Et yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw that. He is a farmer. He started with eggs, but now he's got. He gets the um, spent grain from Newstead, feeds his cow, and then he's got uh, malt raised beef, and he's got goat. Um, he, he does a range of things. He normally supplies gourmet restaurants, and because all of the restaurants are closed, he has started doing a weekly delivery and it, to, to me it's excellent because the, the the prices are great um and the the quality of the, the the gear is superb and so he's doing a weekly delivery to brisbane now so you just sort of order by wednesday and you get a, a box delivered great pivot now and and i would certainly be interested in keeping it going afterwards but when his core business is supplying restaurants will there be the produce for me to, to will, will there be the selection that he's got now that makes it worth my while to to do it and and they're the things the, the great unknowns that we just don't know what's going to happen after all of this um, whether parts of their business will go back to normal and whether something like the bunker boxes will be in demand when people can go to the shops so um, you know there are some things like um, 
we're doing a, I'll be releasing a story on um, Bopple, which is a new, it's like Uber Eats, but with Uber Eats, you buy, you order through Uber Eats and Uber Eats orders through the um, venue. So Uber Eats collects the money in between. This new service that I think is running in at least Sydney and Brisbane, um, Bopple, you're actually buying directly from the venue. So uh, I, I bought from Soapbox. I bought you know a couple of food items from their menu and a four pack. The, because you're paying them directly, the app is actually an app that they engage. Um, you pay the venue and then they pay a commission to Bopple and then it can be delivered. Uber Eats can't deliver alcohol um, because they don't have that license and the, the way they operate. But Bopple, the venue gets a lot more money. They can d- deliver beer. They're some of the things that I think after lockdown ends, they might continue, whereas maybe the bunker boxes we don't have the same use, use case for. Yeah, yeah, very possible. You guys don't have down here in Melbourne. We have Tipple, which is kind of the the alcohol version of of Uber Eats. Uh, we've got Jimmy Brings, so like a bottle shop can deliver, and you can do on so and those sorts of things. But Uber Eats is different. Just so so they can deliver a meal, but they can't deliver alcohol. Um, and and we're sort of looking into so we're looking into some of the reasons behind that. But also they take a huge. There's a bit of a backlash. On one hand, Deliveroo would promoting you know support your local venue um they're running tv ads um and internet ads i've seen promoting that but they take like 30 percent or more of what you're spending and then have a delivery fee on top bopple is is a very different system where you can actually support your venue give them more money um and pay and then pay an additional amount for the convenience but they're, they're able to provide a different service so yeah it'll be interesting to see what the, the the use cases are and and, and what the legacy is and, and what sticks yeah and and how much of it is uh, this is good now because of because it's all we've it's our only alternative but um I, I think there'll be some where actually this was so good i didn't know i needed this i want to continue doing it you know on the other side mm. well it will be interesting to see um now Matt, let's give a quick plug for the antidote which has been as i say really well received both by the guests who are appearing on it uh, but also our many many listeners um we've got stephen beaumont from uh canada who's going to give us a bit of a snapshot of what's going on over there well, because uh, we've spoken to john hall and pete brown yeah so yeah we've ticked just... off the us we've done the uk and we're heading over to canada now exactly so uh, so we'll be doing that tomorrow and there'll be a second guest who i don't think we can confirm anyone yet pete but no, I haven't heard back yet. So, um, but we've got a couple in the wings. Excellent. But that comes up five o'clock. Five o'clock Eastern, uh, Monday, Eastern Wednesday, standard Friday. normal time. Yes. <laughs> Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So uh, Tuesday you'll still get your beer as a conversation, and Thursday we'll still keep doing this, which is Brews News Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much too to Crime Alt, to Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel for supporting it. And thanks to you, Matt, for your company yet again. Mate, always a pleasure. Uh, good to chat uh, again. we must keep doing this (laughs) and we're out don't forget if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News you can help us out in a number of ways you can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation you'll find details in the show notes you can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. 
Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.